Welcome to Coffee with Tamara. I've got my caffeine and my favorite mug of the day. It was a gift and I am ready to dive in. So I'm your host. And in today's episode, we're diving into the heart of conformity, mediocrity, and that powerful cult of average that we're here to dismantle. So to kick things off, let's get to the heart of the matter. What is this elusive thing I keep talking about, this cult of average, and why am I talking about it? The cult of average thrives on mediocrity, on doing what's expected of us, of blending in rather than standing out. It's the subtle pressure to conform, to settle for what's safe, rather than reaching for what's extraordinary. And by the way, extraordinary is how you define it. You can leap and start your own business, pursue your passion, travel the world in a van, or you can speak up in a meeting and pursue an idea at work or be really present for your family. I just want to be clear about that because I think sometimes we think of extraordinaries like I've got to be an astronaut going to the moon or I've got to, you know, hike the Himalayas. No, it's whatever is extraordinary for you. But here's the thing, in trying to become extraordinary, we're pulled by this cult, this cult of average in one way or another. Whether it's someone in particular, a group, the rules we have to play by in our neighborhood, at work, group th think, society think. In some ways, I think it's like a gravitational pull that we need to avoid. So why are we talking about it? Well, I think it's really freaking important right now in the world that we're in. I think we are constantly being pulled into this narrow lane of conformity by social groups, work structures, and definitely, definitely the media. That's a different conversation. So we'll save that for another podcast. But I really do think that now more than ever, it's important that we recognize and avoid this gravitational pull of average, this desire to conform and this pull to conform and be ourselves and stand out. So the question I asked myself is why? Why did I give into the cult of average in the moments that I did? And I know I did. We've all done it in some way or another. And of course, that question about myself, about myself, because I'm fascinated by human behavior, led me to think, well, and ask, why do so many of us fall into line? Why do so many of us give into that? Well, it's part of human nature. We are hardwired to seek acceptance and validation from our peers. Makes sense. We instinctively conform to, to fit in and avoid standing out. It's a psychological dance we engage in without even realizing it. All right, now you know though, I'm deeply curious and I went down a serious rabbit hole, spent a whole day researching, why do we conform? Which really is another way of saying, why do we stay average? Why do we go with the crowd? Why do we not let ourselves stand out? You ready? So here's a little psychology that sheds some real light for me, but also might help you understand why it happens to you, maybe why you do it, and hopefully, how to avoid it. Because I want to talk about that. I think understanding and seeing it will help you avoid it. And I want to talk also about some of the consequences of it, because I think that's why I really went, oh shit, I am going to work really hard not to let this happen to me, not to be pulled by the cult of average. So first of all, there are a few types of conformity that I found. And as I'm sharing them with you, I want you to think about your default behavior. 
I think we ebb and flow between all of them, depending on the situation, but I definitely have a default and I bet you do too. Okay. So the first one is compliance. So compliance refers to changing behavior to gain a specific reward or even avoid punishment or consequence. There's this famous experiment known as Ash's conformity experiments. Get this, where participants were offered a cash reward if they could correctly identify which comparison lines match the standard line on a test. So there was a line drawn and then two lines on each side. And the participants just have to say which one matches that one in the middle. By the way, the right answer was incredibly obvious. This was not a trick question. Now, if I understand the experiment right, they had a few people seated in the room to give the wrong answer, to get the group going down the wrong path. Here's the crazy part. Many participants conformed, in fact, most of them, and gave an incorrect answer rather than going against the rest of the group. Even though they knew it was wrong and it was obvious, the right answer was obvious, they went along with the group instead. That is compliance. All right, number two, identification. So this type of conformity involves changing behavior because you want to align your identity with the rest of a certain group. You know, it's like when you were a kid and you went along with the cool kids and what they were doing, even though you didn't like it because you wanted to be identified in that group as part of the cool kids. Totally did that. Actually, I wasn't afraid of standing out as a kid. I really, I was a bit of an outcast, but I had my moments where like the cool kid on my block would be like, we're all going to go do this. And I was like, yeah, even though back in my mind, I was like, no, bad idea. But I didn't anyway, because I wanted to be part of the group and I wanted to be seen as part of that group. And I think right now we're seeing a lot of this with politics and identity and just kind of, you know, putting our stake in the ground and identifying with groups to conform. We got to get away from this one. All right, number three, internalization. So this type of conformity leads you to change your beliefs and attitudes like inside because you desire to be like others. So it's like basically trying to take on the personality of others, even if it doesn't serve you or match what you believe on the inside. So the three R's to recap, compliance, identification, and internalization. Now, there are nuances to each of these and probably a few more, but these are the top three that I found, the three types of conformity. We want to be liked. We want to be identified in a certain way. And we want to be liked by others. It makes sense, right? All of these types of conformity allow us to blend in, to go with the crowd, to be liked, or at least so we think. I don't think it usually actually works out that way, but that's our rationale for doing it. They are how we get trapped in the cult of average. So the other thing I learned is that there's something called normative influence. So it's a psychological term defined by Deutsch and Gerard that states that people sometimes conform to groups because they're motivated to be liked or to avoid being disliked. And they believe that the other members will feel more kindly towards them if they conform rather than deviate from group norms. So what that means is we go along to get along, to be liked, and to avoid, actually avoid being disliked. Basically, we're tribal, and we want to fit into our tribes, not to be cast out. And in the caveman days, that probably served us very well because truly there was strength in numbers. It was a harder world if you were on your own. But in today's world, we become the monkey 
never going for the banana. Have you heard about this experience? OMG, this blew my mind. It's the five monkey experiment. So as part of an experiment, five monkeys were placed in a cage. And in the middle of that cage was a ladder with bananas on top of the rung. So every time a monkey tried to climb the ladder, the experimenter sprayed all of the monkeys with ice water. So these five monkeys, the original five, learned very quickly that reaching for the banana had negative consequences, that the banana could not be obtained. So eventually, when a monkey started to climb the ladder, the other ones would pull him off and beat him up so they could all avoid the icy spray. So they would pull each other down off the ladder before the experimenter even sprayed them. So the monkeys eventually, of course, stopped trying. The experimenter then substituted one of the monkeys in the cage with a new monkey. Of course, the first thing the new monkey did was go for the banana. But what happened? The other monkeys pulled him down and beat him. The new monkey learned very quickly the social norm of the group, not to go for the banana. Now, the new monkey never knew why the other monkeys wouldn't let him go for the banana because he'd never been sprayed with ice water, but he quickly learned that this behavior was not okay in the group. You do not go for the banana. So one by one, each of the monkeys in the cage was substituted for a new monkey until none of the original group remained. So all new monkeys. And every time a new monkey went up for the ladder, up to the, for the banana, the rest of the group pulled him off. Even those who had never been sprayed. Actually, none of them, because they're all new now. None of them had actually been sprayed. It was a learned behavior that traveled down. So by the end of the experiment, the five monkeys in the cage had learned to follow the rule and stay away from the banana without any of them knowing why, ever been sprayed by ice water, or ever had any of the consequences. It was passed down. The cult of average works the same way. We conform to, that's the way it's always been done. We do things or have these ceilings that we put into place on ourselves, and we don't even know why. And then we force other people into those same rules and those same ceilings. So the other thing I've experienced a lot of in this cult of average is envy. Have you ever noticed that when you are the underdog, everyone is rooting for you to succeed? But when you achieve those goals, they're rooting for you to fail. The crowd goes from, you can do it and I believe in you, to she's so full of herself. She's too big for her own britches. Are you going to hang out with us anymore? Are you too good for us? Can I get your autograph now? Ha ha ha. You know the drill. Obviously, I'm speaking from a little bit of personal experience because I've been on both sides of that. And you know what? It sucks to have the same people who are in your corner suddenly turn on you and like make these comments like, well, you're too big for us now. I don't even know what happened. Like, weren't they the ones rooting for me and for you in the beginning? Envy. What is that about? Well, that's what I wanted to understand. So here's what I found. In a 2023 study published in the European Journal of Investigation in Health Psychology and Education, that is a mouthful, they explored the impact of envy on social relationships. The results found that envy often arises when individuals make social comparisons and perceive themselves as falling short in comparison to others. So when I compare myself to you and you're doing better than me, I have envy. 
when you see somebody else doing better than you and the kind of in the back of your head is like, why isn't that me? How come they're the one with all the success, right? It's comparison game. Comparison game is a killer. It's envy. So the research also found that people with lower self-esteem tend to experience envy more intensely. I think that's no surprise because they feel threatened by the success of their peers, of the people around them. So let's break this down. Basically, the more successful you become or the more you dare to step out of average, the more it dials up the insecurities and feelings of inadequacies in others. So instead of rooting for you and supporting you, they try to bring you back down to their level. That's the cult of average again. The fear of being overshadowed and experiencing a diminishing sense of importance fuels resentment and animosity towards you. The person going for it and being bold. So instead of being inspired and supportive, people fall into this place of envy. And then if you aren't careful, your desire to fit in and conform, right? That tribal side, that desire to not make waves kicks in and you let them. You hold yourself back in an effort to be liked, to not rock the boat. So there are two sides to this cult of average. On one side is our tribal desire to fit in and conform. And on the other side is the envy and insecurity of those around us. All right, do you know what one of my biggest pet peeves is? Like really one of my biggest. It's when I have a complaint about something and let's say I'm like, hey, Jess, I just wanted to share with you. I'm really mad. This I'm finding this so frustrating, blah, blah, blah. And so I share it with you. And then you say, well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm also mad because blah, 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 blah. It's the whole misery loves company mentality. I don't want to be dragged down into your misery. I will be there to support you, but you're not going to hear me say, oh my God, I'm in the same boat because blah, 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 blah. And I think that misery loves company keeps people from being proud or supportive of your success when they're not in that place. The cult of average loves company too, because it makes the average members feel better about themselves, right? The comparison's not so big. You're all in the same place. Misery loves company. One of my biggest pet peeves. You'll never hear me say it. So maybe you're thinking, but Tamara, getting along and being liked sounds pretty good to me. I get it, but if you're open to it, I'd like to share with you the consequences of giving into the cult of average to conformity because they can be profound. So I'm telling you this based on personal experience, but also the research I did because I found this really fascinating and some of these surprised me. Number one, hampers personal progress. You all know that phrase, you are the five people you hang out with. Well, it's been my experience that if those five people have small goals in life, you will also have small goals in life, even if something inside of you is nagging to be bigger. And if you ask a group of really close friends their opinion on something, chances are it's the same. Hampers personal progress. Number two, and this one surprised me, by the way, it increases sadness and stress. So like I said, this one surprised me because you would think that being liked or blended in, blending in would be easier and hence make you happier, but turns out it has the opposite effect. I once heard someone say that sadness, sadness is you behaving out of alignment with who you are. And maybe that's right. Maybe keeping all that realness bottled up inside takes its toll. Either way, giving into average, blending in, going with the flow doesn't actually make you happier in any way. Number three, 
you lose your identity. So this one's kind of obvious, but I think it's a big deal. You start to behave like the people around you, not yourself. Number four, you become closed off to change, even the necessary ones. So we don't experience change within group think because there's this preference to not rock the boat with the group, right? The devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. So group conformity closes you off to change because you want to keep that status quo, right? We become more closed off the more we're in that group. Number five, and this one really hit me in the heart, you stop thinking for yourself. It minimizes your critical thinking skills. It's called the law of social proof. It assumes that if most people are doing something, it must be right. How many times has that been wrong and not gone well? Uh, many. All right, here's, I love this one because it's just, it's so true. And, and here's an example of something that happened to me recently that I think brings this one to life. Have you ever gone to the airport and got to the security line and seen maybe one line, like long line around the corner with hundreds of people going super slow and another one with only a few dozen? What is your inclination? Is it to get in the longer line? Because clearly if all those people are in that line, it's the right one. Or is it to get in the short one? Yeah, most of us, it's in the long one. That's why it's so long. Me too. So the other day, I was traveling to Mexico City, and that's exactly what I encountered. So I got to DIA, to the airport, and I, I strolled up with my roller bag to security. And there were actually actually three of us who got there at the same time. And we were, all three of us were looking at both of the lines, trying to decide what to do, right? There was one super long one that like wrapped all the way around through baggage claim. You couldn't even see the end of it. And another one that had like, I don't know, maybe a couple dozen people in it, super short, going kind of fast. Other than that, no difference between the two. So one of the guys said to the other guy, let's go get in that line, the long line. That short one is clearly not the right one. Like that must be for something else. Like let's go get in the line before we miss our chance. So no real proof of that, just the law of social proof and conformity. He just got in that line because he looked at it and was like, well, all those people must know something I don't know. So of course, with my disruptive nature, I went to the short line. I figured worst they could do is kick me out, right? So when I got up there and showed my the TSA agent my my um my identification and my uh, boarding pass, got I lost the word for a minute there. I asked him, I was like, by the way, what's the difference between the lines? He said, uh, nothing. I and mean, I'm not sure why everyone is getting in that long one. By the way, it took me five minutes to get through my line. I heard those guys later at the gate talking and they were in the gate next to me and they took them an hour to get through security. Why? Because they gave in to social proof. They weren't thinking. They just thought, well, if everybody else is doing it, clearly it's what I should be doing too. Never stop thinking for yourself. Just because others believe it or do it doesn't mean it's true or right in any way. All right, number six, conformity minimizes your ability to deal with obstacles and confrontation. Yeah, something life is full of that you can't actually avoid, but it minimizes your ability to deal with. How does it do that? Well, we're working hard to fit in and avoid conflict. So every time conflict comes up, what do we do? We conform, we give in. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, let's do it that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes, let's do that. When we do something different than the norm, it's gonna create conflict, disagreement, debate, but we spend so much of our life trying to avoid conflict, 
we actually become less equipped to deal with it. So I think um, dealing with obstacles and confrontation and agreement, argue, disagreement, argument, whatever you want to call it, is a skill. It's like a muscle that we practice. And so if you spend your life avoiding it, no wonder it becomes weak. We've got to equip ourselves with the ability to deal with it because it's always going to come our way. But conformity minimizes that ability. So it feels harder. And the harder it feels, the more we avoid it. So there are some real negative consequences. So let me just recap. Number one, hampers personal progress. Number two, it increases sadness and stress. Why would you want that? Number three, you lose your identity. No, thank you. Number four, it makes you closed off to change, something that we have to deal with right now, especially in the world that we're in. Number five, you stop thinking for yourself. No, thank you. And then number six, it minimizes your ability to deal with obstacles and confrontation, something there's a lot of in this world. So like I said, there are some real negative consequences for giving into the cult of average. And I think a lot of this has to do with fear. Fear of failure, fear of looking stupid, fear of being wrong. Here's the thing about fear. You know, we often talk about it this very lofty academic concept, but in reality, fear is very personal. If I asked you, what are you afraid of in stepping out? You probably have a list of five things you could tell me that are very personal and very real to you. And our primal brain, the one that wants to keep us safe and comfortable and, and fitting in and in place, it thrives on it. It thrives on fear. So when we have that opportunity to break free from average or dare to step out of, out of our you know, comfort zone, our primal brain floods us with fear. That fear drives us to the cult of average. See the full circle here, folks? Actually, it's more like a hamster wheel that we have to get off of. Here's the thing about fear that's important to understand. And if you've been listening to my podcast for a long time, you've heard me say this before. You can't be fearless. So if you're waiting for that moment, never going to happen. Fear is hardwired into us. It's part of human design. It's important if something jumps out at us in an alleyway, like it moves us to action when there's a real threat. But it plays tricks on us. However, the people that dare to be different, they aren't fearless. They just push through their fear. They've learned to control it, even harness it. They've dared to be different despite their fear. They've dared to stand out and push away the cult of average despite all the pressure around them. For a moment, think about the people you admire the most. Are they the ones that did it like everyone else? Just add to the noise? Are they the ones that stepped out of average? So whether it's like a, a business, a brand, or a person, I bet it's not the ones that do things like everyone else. I'm going to share with you my top three right now. This is in the celebrity business category. We probably all have people in our personal lives that fit into this. Like my dad is absolutely one of them. But let me share three that you could actually look up and check out. So number one is the comedian Fortune Fimster. Hopefully I'm saying her last name right. I'm hoping to get her on the podcast one day for an interview. Fortune, if you're listening, I just love your comedy. Here's what I love about Fortune. And she has some Netflix specials um, and she's all over TikTok. Go seek her out. So she dared to be different because in a sea of these angry comedians pointing out the faults in everyone and everything around them, it felt like what every comedian was doing. She comes from this place of real joy and real goodness and taking the things that maybe were hard in her life or a struggle in her life 
and finding the light and the goodness in them in a really funny way. So to me, what really resonated with me is she dared to be different in this just sea of angry comedians. She she did her own thing. And I think that's really freaking cool. Uh, Patagonia, because in a world that's all about consumption, their whole thing is about using only what you need or even using less. Another one who I really admire, and by the way, what's interesting about this one is it's not because I love her personally or because like, I have some affinity with her. In fact, quite the opposite. She's not my favorite like personality-wise, but I really admire her for what she's done. Her name is Julia Hart. She's in the Netflix series, My Unorthodox Life. So the short of it is she dared to leave her Orthodox community to step out and be herself. She wanted to design shoes, live her life her way. She felt that the community she was in didn't serve her. Can you imagine for a moment, not just leaving a few friends, but having the guts to step away from an entire way of life that you've grown up with? That's all you've ever known. And I think she was 40 years old when she did it, maybe. Talk about stepping away from the cult of average. She dared to step out. So those are my three right now. I have others. And by the way, for my people in the overly caffeinated community, I'll add more and I'll ask you to share yours as well. And here's why. I actually think it's really inspiring and it often moves us to take action, to follow people in real time that are out there doing it, famous or not. I know for me, it helps me give, it helps give me, how do I want to say this, confidence and inspiration to take the leaps I want to take when I see them in action doing it. So I'll put that in the overly caffeinated. By the way, if you're not a member yet, the link's in the show notes. Go join because we got a lot of cool stuff happening. My goal is to get to the first 250 members in the community. And for those of you that are going to be in the first 250 members, um, I don't have what the prize is going to be yet for all of you. I'm working on it. Maybe you've got some suggestions, but I want to do something special for being the first 250 to leap and to be a part of this community. I post stuff there. I post extra stuff. There's out going to be outtakes there. I just got it going. It's just started. It's a part of the podcast. Go. It's like, you know, supporting your favorite art, like being a patron of the arts, but we're doing it in a community that's going to add value back. So I hope to see yours there too. Now, also, I want you to think about the people in the businesses you hate. And I don't mean Jessica down the hall, who's not a nice person and always talks crap about people behind the back. I just mean the businesses are people that stand for something that you don't agree with, that you like vehemently don't agree with. I bet they've dared not to be average. You don't have to like them, but they dared. Someone once told me that the biggest enemy of success isn't if people love or hate you, it's if they're indifferent to you. Indifference is the enemy. I would love it if people loved me and hated me because it means I stand for something and I'm doing something my way. But if people are indifferent to me, well, shit, that's a problem. All right, now that we better understand what the cult of average is and how its negative consequences really impact you, let me share with you five actions you can take to avoid it because you know I'm not going to leave you hanging. All right, are you ready? Number one, cultivate critical thinking skills. Develop your ability to think critically and independently. Question assumptions, challenge, challenge prevailing ideas, seek evidence before accepting information and opinions. 
I love the three question rules. So every time I'm bombarded with an opinion, a fact, an idea, something that I think I believe, I have asked three more questions. What else could be true? How else could I look at this? How can I find out more data behind this? Right? Just get into the habit of critical thinking. Number two, are you ready for this one? Diversify your information sources. Okay, this one people don't like, but it's truth. Consume information from a wide range of resources, especially those with different viewpoints and maybe even ideologies. Here's what I'm saying, okay? Avoid the echo chambers where you only hear one side or the echo chambers that validate what you currently believe. Those are the worst. So this is a big one. So here's an example. So I don't have cable at home, um, but when I'm in a hotel, when I'm traveling, for work, I actually make sure to bounce between everything from local news to CNN to Fox News to whatever else I can find. And I do it without judgment. I really do. I want to see how different viewpoints are coming together on topics. I'm just seeking to understand and gain a better, more robust foundation for my thinking. It strengthens my thinking so that I'm not just going along with what I'm being spoon fed. I don't want that. And I'm pretty sure you don't either. Number three, engage in constructive debate. So don't avoid conflict, as we talked about before. Encourage healthy and, of course, respectful debate with others. So engaging in discussions with people who hold different opinions can help you refine your own thinking, can identify potential flaws, but also open you up to new perspectives. It fosters an environment where diverse viewpoints are valued. Diversity of thinking Number three, engage in constructive debate. Like we talked about before, don't avoid conflict. It's common. In fact, it's really healthy to be able to deal with it in a positive way. So encourage healthy and respectful debate with others. Engage in discussions with people who hold different opinions than you. That can help you refine your own thinking and identify potential flaws in your arguments and make you open to new ways of thinking. Keeps you from the spoon of feeding. It also fosters an environment where diverse viewpoints are valued. And that is so important. The struggle that I think we're in, in this, particularly in the U.S. today, is we don't value diversity of thinking. We see it as a flaw in someone else. I think someone with a different opinion of mine is a gift because that's an opportunity for me to understand why they believe what they believe and to maybe even open up my thinking a little bit. It's diversity of thinking is a gift and it breaks up conformity. And we just we don't value it enough. All right, number four, develop your individual values and beliefs. Take time to reflect on your own values, your beliefs, your principles. I think when you understand what truly matters to you, who you are and what you stand for, it's easier to push away the cult of average. When you have a clear sense of your North Star, you're less likely to blindly conform to values of a group. Have you ever met those people who just, they just go by the beat of their own drum? More than likely, it's because they know who they are and what they believe. Number five, be mindful of peer pressure. Be aware, be aware of social pressures and the desire to fit into a group. Make conscious choices that align with your values, even if they differ from those of your peers. It's okay to express your dissenting opinion respectfully and without fear of rejection. I don't know where we got into this place that having a disagreement or saying something different is a bad thing. Here's what I found. I found, at least for me, that I actually have mad respect for people willing to have a strong and different voice. Turns out I don't like them any less. 
I actually admire them more. If it comes from a real solid place, I'm like, kudos to you. I'm in. I want to hear what you have to say. All right, number six, and this one is really important. It comes from a lot of personal experience. Build your armor. Here's what I mean. When you dare to be different, people will come at you. It's inevitable. Learn to let that shit bounce right off. A motto that I'm learning to live by is, your opinion of me is none of my business. You have to learn to not let other people's insecurities, feelings of inadequacy, get in the way of the path that you're on. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. So be kind. They're dealing with their own stuff, but armor up and don't let it get to you. Okay, let me recap that. Let me go back into my notes. So number one, cultivate critical thinking skills. Man, we need more of that in this world. Diversify your information sources. Don't let yourself get trapped in the echo chamber. Number three, engage in constructive debate. Seek out disagreement. Number four, develop your North Star, your values and your beliefs. Number five, be mindful of peer pressure. Just learn to, to acknowledge it for what it is. And number six, the one that I think is the most important, be kind, but build up your armor. Woo. All right. Thanks for joining me on this journey to dismantle the cult of average. I hope to see you all in the overly caffeinated community. And look, this is our way of bringing people together, of adding some value. And it's also your way of showing support for this podcast. It takes time and effort and energy and money for me to put this on. And I do it very willingly. It's a, it's a passion and I want to add value to this world. So your support means everything to me. So thank you. I think together we can reshape our world and redefine what it means to truly be exceptional. Now stay tuned because next week I have an amazing interview with a woman that is totally broken free from the cult of average. Tamara out. <laughs>